0: Hey, socceristas! welcome to episode eight of the Big Life Podcast. Jordan, wow. Um, I think we're both a little bit speechless right now. We just had an absolutely incredible interview with Gina and Steve Meyer of the Katie Saves Foundation and everything that they've talked about and willingness that, frankly put, we both deem it fitting to... Skip the way we normally do things and just go into this extremely heartfelt and heartwarming interview. Jordan, how are you feeling?
1: I don't. I don't. Just speechless. I'm a little bit speechless. I am very, very grateful for the willingness to come on, share Katie's story, share their story as they went through, just the tragedy that was Katie Myers' death. Um, for those of you who don't know, on March 1st, 2022, Katie Meyer tragically passed away by means of suicide. She was a goalie for the University of Stanford, just an absolute badass and someone that really her passing really rocked the soccer world. When the news went around that she had passed away, everyone was left a bit speechless. You know, she opened and started a lot of conversations around mental health and advocacy for that, along with just what it meant to be a badass, because that is, you know, I think the biggest thing that watching Katie Meyer, uh, you took away from in her performance on the field.
0: Neither of us were ever blessed to know Katie in her life. I think it's regardless to say she's left an impact through everything she's done. So without further ado, we're so thankful to welcome you to Steve and Gina Meyer. So we are so, so thankful to have Steve and Gina Meyer on the podcast today talking about Katie's story, Katie saves and everything that they're doing now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us and really letting us hear about your story. I know when Jordan and I started about this podcast, we like immediately like who would like a dream guest be and with everything that you guys have done in the community and the impact and frankly, as Jordan and I have talked about before, like as people who have struggled with our mental health as college athletes, this is I know deeply impactful for us alone, let alone our listeners. So we're really, really gracious.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Appreciate being here. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Of course. That all being said, I think one of the first things I really want to hear from you guys is I was a college freshman in 2019 when feel like her name was everywhere. See, I remember sitting in my dorm room watching the games. That Mm -hmm. being said, people remember Katie as a soccer player. Could you tell us a little bit about more about who she was as a person?
3: I always say like she was a spitfire from birth. Like she came out <laughs> like the most fearless, um, mischievous in a cute way, um, fun, energetic, ball of energy, perpetual motion, my dad would call her. You know, just um, so much fun, just a fun kid. I think as she grew up, fierce loyal friend to her teammates and friends an incredible sister to her two sisters she was a lot of fun though she was you know in her own way had her own strength her boldness she i mean she was a beautiful person yeah
2: she was she loved all, all kinds of music
3: mm-hmm. she
2: from an early age loved to read uh, loved harry potter loved star wars oh yeah um, legos loved yeah. loved school loved like school. out of the gate um never had to convince katie to go to school she was involved in student government Mm -hmm. in elementary junior high and high school um she was a multi-dimensional person she had a lot of various interests she um like any of us wasn't perfect okay who is i'd like to meet them if they are but um she was whip smart funny she was also an ra at stanford for a hall of freshman students there she liked When she was younger, riding horses, trying different sports, she even kicked for her high school football team for a couple of years, and it was a great diversion for her. She was the type of daughter as parents, and I bet the two of you are the same, whereas parents, you want to be the absolute best parent you can be for her.
1: She sounds absolutely amazing. Like you said, we both know her as a soccer player and Mm -hmm. remember watching those games and just that absolute... Ruth's mentality, vicious, uh, you know, player on the field and badass, you can just say it. She was, a <laughs> yeah, she, was she was such a badass
3: Definitely <laughs> on the field. She would leave that on the field and then like she could switch gears, but yes, yeah, she was a competitor, a fierce competitor.
1: Absolutely. I think the clip we all, you know, know her by is her penalty kick save mm-hmm. um, in the college cup and her celebration that just went absolutely viral. Um, as parents seeing that and having that all go around, what was your guys' kind of thoughts as she went through that?
2: The celebration itself, where we were watching the game in the stadium there in San Jose, we were up and away in the above the midline of the field. And so we, I could see she was doing something over there. We and then I put two that. and two together. I'm like, oh, there's a camera there. And then just knowing her from when she was a little girl, this is a girl who performed at talent shows who loved it like she in second grade in her elementary school talent show just sang kelly clarkson's a <laughs> moment like this is a little second grader <laughs> at the end of the talent show she sang adele when she was in fifth grade so that aspect of her personality uh, was definitely coming out she also knew that it was okay for women young women to acknowledge that crowd like we have these discussions for equal pay and equal facilities and all this stuff she loved it and she was down for it and she felt that part of that was just set yourself free right the games are showtime and I was happy for her because I talked to her after that those celebrations and she's like as an athlete all the hard work I ever put in it's such a grind for so many years Mm -hmm. that I finally got my big yes and it Mm -hmm. just came out Mm -hmm. and she just set it free Yeah, and we see guys doing it all the time and that's great and she believed we believe as parents like that you young women should be allowed to express yourselves in those sporting environments oh yeah i think the
3: adrenaline you know the adrenaline is so crazy you are so hyped up she made that second pk she knew kiki pickett was up on the line to take that i mean i Mm -hmm. think she knew deep in her soul she's like we got this like we i think it just all you know like i said there's all those emotions. Five minutes later, she's on the field, like bawling, and her teammates are on top of her. So I think you're going through all those emotions. Like Steve said, it was like the big yes. Cause it was like, we did it. We did it. I know that was her kind of her thing. Yeah. So
2: yeah, absolutely. Last, that evening we were just hanging out with her quietly after the celebration, after the adrenaline
1: yeah. sort of wore off, you know? I think. Yeah. And
2: just uh, relaxing and yeah. back, to, back to quote unquote normal.
1: I know that showmanship and badassness, it started a big conversation in, in women's sports and college soccer about the difference between when a mm-hmm. girl does it, you saw some of the hate she got, but you know, when men do it, it's totally fine and it's celebrated. So oh. I know that was a big conversation that was started by that.
3: Yeah. Well, it was the semi-final game yeah. against UCLA. There was some smack talk on the field. And again, I don't know if you guys know what happened here, but she kind of let in a soft goal early on, which she fully like after the fact acknowledged, like I knew I let it in, but there was some smack talk on the field, like, Oh, it's the keeper keep shooting at the keeper. She saw whatever. And then she made a PK save and she kind of went back in that girl's face and said, is it the keeper? Like, is it that? So it was all, it was all normal field smack talk, but she was on camera. They, they, they caught that they didn't catch everybody else saying stuff, but they caught her saying it. So she kind of looked like the bad guy. And she's like, you know, it is what it is. And she's cool with that girl. They totally were like fine, but like social media made a really big deal out of it. And Mm -hmm. she kind of turned off. She's like, I don't need the haters. We got a national championship game on the line she got rid of all of her social media for like, for like 24 hours or 48 hours. It's, it's all good, but you're right. It's like, um, there is that double standard, you know, that like the guys can do this all the time, all day long, you know, basketball court, field base, whatever. But then when a girl does it, you know, it's different. And it's, it's unfortunate because it is part of the sport. It's part of the game. And, um, it's and, not it wasn't it wasn't even disrespectful it was literally just smack talk and that's what it is you know that's it's gonna happen right every everybody's competing so it's okay it was and, something and, that and, she was kind of in the end I think really like well, I did open the conversation yeah, about it so and,
2: and she would say it and did say it times. yeah like it's okay if a player is stoic and that's how they roll then hats off to them That's right. great lovely right. Yeah. that's not how she was and didn't express herself that way and the same thing goes on the guy side of things there are some guys that are just quiet you know and mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. great and then there's some guys who are incredibly expressive and acknowledge the stadium and the crowd and people get into mm-hmm. it and that's great too
3: yeah you know? yeah everybody's a little different
2: in yeah. the end her celebration this was an aspect of her personality i think all those years of just working and and you guys know better than anybody. Being an athlete can be tough and you get mm-hmm. there's a lot of rejection, there's a lot of defeat. And uh she had her big yes and she just set it free. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. You know, it's really cool being a part of this conversation now. Like selfishly being at the University of Iowa, you know, I see it all the time with Caitlin Clark and how incredible a women's basketball player she is and everything mm-hmm. Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese in the national championship yep. and everything, yep. you know, being on the front page there. And I actually remember Katie being one of the first people that made me see that that was okay. And like, like I said, I was in my freshman year of college at the time. My team was in the NCAA tournament. but We had gotten eliminated already. And obviously you're watching the game. And I remember vividly sitting in my dorm room with three guys on the Iowa men's gymnastic team and me and a couple of teammates and watching it. And they were like, what is she doing? And I'm like, no, this is amazing. So <laughs> those different perspectives and opening that conference, the conversation about what a confident Let's woman Open
3: the is. door a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know. Cause now it it does seem like it's a little more accepted, like all the stuff with Caitlin Clark. It wasn't really a big deal. Like it was like, okay. I mean, it's good. I love seeing women get passionate about their sport. I mean, I love it. I think it's fun. It's what makes the sport. We're filling stadiums now we're filling stands. I mean, this is, this is part of it, you know, it's okay.
0: You've talked before in recent interviews about when everything happened, You guys really didn't know much and the breadcrumbs were pieced together after that about everything. Can you talk more about going through that and what it was kind of like putting those pieces together about everything that had happened?
2: Sure, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll start that. and Gina, just jump in when you feel. Mm -hmm. We had no idea Katie was going through this situation at Stanford with um, a disciplinary office there, Office of Community Standards, OCS, I'll probably refer to it going forward. It went on for about six months, and it started with her filling coffee on a football player who allegedly had sexually assaulted a teammate of hers in a stairwell, and as we still understand it, the football player didn't so much as miss a practice, even though the team have a policy called set the expectation, and people can look that up if they want to, and So this process goes on through the heart of the soccer season. And then as we've been putting all this together, it looks like she wasn't contacted for well over three months. So most of November, all of December through Christmas break, all of January. You know, as parents, it's really frustrating because Katie was a good kid And we're we're learning as we go. We'll talk a little bit more about Katie Save later. But like, you know, we send our kids off to these schools and universities and and under the assumption as parents that things are going to be handled well there for them. And uh, there's a lot of issues we have with what happened, obviously. But uh, so, yeah, it was it was a tough one because we when this initially happened with Katie passing away, we had no idea that she was going through this and we're trying to stop that from happening to another student or their team or their family, their, their, their community in the future. And um, it's not easy, but we feel like if we don't do anything, then nothing's going to get done. So that's what Gina and I are into right now. It's we're capable of it. And that's our very specific purpose we have going forward.
3: Her, yeah. Her situation. I mean, it was a, it was a six month process. She got a letter the night So it was August 28th. She literally got the letter on the six month statue of limitations, the 12th hour, 7 11 p.m. after office hours, after any support was open, anything in her dark dorm room in the winter. This six page letter. You know, basically withholding her degree when she's you know three months shy of graduation.
2: But what's uh, more is threatening to remove her from threatening to
3: remove her from the university. I mean, it was a whole thing. So you know, we've gone back with our therapists. Obviously, they they do their own research through this whole process. They believe she had something called an acute stress reaction, which is a little a little bit what we're working with with Katie. Save it's the fact that you know when you're 18 and you go away to school your parents are in the dark, they know nothing. And a lot of people don't know this, their first their first go around, if it's the first kid going off to college, they don't realize like, yeah, they may pay the tuition, you're on their, you know, the car insurance, your health insurance, all these things, but they will not get anything, they will not see your grades, nothing, because if you're 18 with HIPAA and FERPA laws, there's no information given, mental health, physical health, nothing. So um but but the conundrum is your brain is not fully developed yet until you're 25.
2: No matter how smart or independent That's you are. That's just
3: science. Like you can be the smartest most independent kid, it's just not. So instead of going with the prefrontal cortex, the good judgment making, rational decision making, like it's a little more middle brain especially in a very challenging or stressful situation, you can go more irrational, more emotional and more impulsive
2: so um this can happen with somebody who doesn't have a history of mental illness who's otherwise flourishing like this acute stress reaction we've all heard stories of somebody in our community or someone in the nation or whatever who is doing great in life and something goes sideways in their world and they have like an extreme emotional reaction acute stress reaction and the next thing you know we've we've lost that person I mean, we know this is true as a society, because when we have uh, our good people, let's say make one false move in the community and like they gotta spend a night in jail, they're not gonna let anybody go into a a cell. They check everybody to make sure they have nothing on them. They they could harm themselves with, because we don't wanna lose lose good people in our community. And um, that's part of what we're doing with Katie Save is we're not trying to remake any zero mental health techniques step on anybody's toes with any of that. I
3: definitely say we are not experts. It's kind of what you said, like picking up the breadcrumbs. When we first got the phone call, we honestly thought she got hit on our bike. We thought there Correct. was an accident. Never in a million trillion years, Sam and Jordan, would we ever imagine Katie dying by suicide. Never in a, I mean, literally it yeah. was beyond shocking for us. Like we were in so much shock, because we couldn't even understand like we had no clue there because like we said there was no health history of a mental illness or of any any so i mean we had just talked on the phone that night we were on facetime she was making she made spring bike plans she you know was going to mexico she was flourishing like she was super excited about the future
2: and tying back to your original question tell us some more about katie you know, at that time, and what I'm about to say, what what I'm about to say is not intended to put her on a pedestal. It's for us to break the stigma around this, like to understand that this can happen to literally anybody. Um, she was home over the Christmas New Year's break when a lot of you young folks go back to where you're from and you spend time with your families. And she was uh, the only thing she was stressed out about was law school. She had applied to Stanford Law, and she should have already heard no by that point. And I remember telling her, you know what, sweetie, just let that go. Like maybe that's square peg, round hole situation happening. Go back to Stanford and just be you. Just be Katie. Katie was also a a gifted communicator. She was. She was able to stand up in front of people and not have her knees shaking behind the podium. Like that was just a natural thing for her. And so the next thing we knew, she uh, started her own podcast with a subsidiary of Facebook, and she applied for and received and was going to do a TEDx talk. The theme of which I believe was, all we have is all we need, but it's all we have. And so she had many, many things coming down the line in her life that she was so excited about, all predicated for the most part on her being a Stanford graduate. She was going to teach a class at the Stanford Design School. She was a Mayfield Fellow. So many things happening. Shoot her. a podcast. And then, <laughs> shoot a podcast. As you two can understand yeah. very well, I'm sure the the work and the grind that goes into becoming a University of Iowa or a Michigan State athlete that's a lot. It's a big piece of your identity, mm-hmm. huge. Um, and when that's threatened by the school you're giving your heart and soul to, to all go away. Yeah. That's when you enter into. The tragic territory of mm-hmm. an acute stress reaction you know and we miss her every day every minute of every day and you know i agree with gina never in a million years would we have imagined mm-hmm. for it to go this way she had such a lust for life and she you know just was amazing I and mean, it, it's it's tough to say the least yeah
1: i mean Losing someone's never easy. I can't even imagine losing a child in that way. For eighteen months, to uh have gone by before losing Katie to to suicide like that, um, for, you know, I was unaware of, kind of how little red flags there were for this all to come to a breaking point so quickly. Um, I can't even imagine what you guys went through and have gone through. Um, in the past eighteen months, as you go through this, what's been the hardest part? about you know kind of just this grieving process for you guys
2: Mm -hmm. um i think you for me anyway it's the permanence of it you uh, you really understand what the word permanent means you know um and it's managing it like we had a very wise person tell us a couple of weeks after she passed away. A very
3: wise therapist. Yeah, yes. let's just hey, he's yeah, say he's our therapist. Yeah, I try, I try <laughs> okay. to hide his
2: identity no. a little bit because he's a genius. But um, yeah, he when we first sat down with him, he just looked us both right in the eye and he said, "Like this is literally the worst thing that can ever happen to a parent. You're never going to get over this. Mm-hmm. The best you can do is manage it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're doing. That's this is us managing it right now, mm-hmm. speaking with the two of you." You know, we feel that we're capable of doing this right now. Um, we may get off this podcast with you and look at each other and go, we're done. We're done talking about it ever again publicly. We don't know. We're taking it day by day. You know, we could um, lay on the floor and cry every day and not get out of our house. And by the way, that would be okay. Um, there have
3: been those days. But Absolutely. we feel like,
2: you know, Katie can see us, you know, She's watching. If we did that, it would absolutely break her heart. Mm-hmm. And so we, and we push on
3: we have two other daughters and we have two too. Other daughters so, we like,
2: you know, it's also anything.
3: being there for them and yeah. supporting them. And um, it's kind of what Steve said. I think we we've asked a lot the last 18 months, like, what would Katie do? Mm-hmm. How how would she feel about this? Um, we make some decisions really based on that and finding those moments of joy. Cause I think she'd all want us still to be really happy. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to do something good. Like we're really trying to get young people to talk about some of those hard conversations and opening up and, um, whether she was scared to tell us about the disciplinary, because she thought like she could handle it on her own. Maybe she was a little embarrassed or a little, right. the, the thing is the she told us everything. Like yeah. we were very tight family, very open family. So I really think she thought it would kind of go away. I mean, well, because the football question. the football player didn't get in trouble. So she probably thought, oh, it'll get brushed under the rug. Why worry mom and dad about it? I don't know. And, you know, getting a letter like that at night, like that, I think just she, she, the only thing we can surmise is that she just panicked. She went into a full scared panic mode. And just, um, our therapist said, when you're in that moment, it's kind of like looking through a straw, like you see nothing else. You literally are just looking through that straw. And I just, she had that moment and you, you you know, you can't take that back. And I, I think if she could, she would have, I truly believe that I think had someone knocked on her dorm door, had she went for a walk outside, had she been, you know, made a phone call. I, I just feel like, um, you know, it's, it's hard because there's a lot of, you you can, you can kind of go down that rabbit hole. And, um, we probably still do that a lot. It's still really raw, but, um,
2: no, and also back to your question. Yeah like some of the hardest things in the last year and a half or some of the smallest things, mm-hmm. some of the most obvious, simple things, hearing her voice, seeing her walk through our front door right now, mm-hmm. right? Seeing her sit on the floor and play board games with her sisters, like drive in the car with her, all those little things, um, getting a hug from her. and mm-hmm. You just that, miss all that. All those yeah, things, everybody. her sitting on the couch, watching like all those little things mm-hmm. we miss. Mm-hmm. Like desperately, Yeah. Life, you yeah, know, yeah. and... I guess also I'm saying that for the benefit of your audience, you know, if you're going through something, if you're struggling, please reach out. Mm -hmm. Even if it's in the smallest, tiniest way, Mm -hmm. because you got people in your life, like either your parents or relatives, siblings, siblings, there's people in your community. They're going to be utterly devastated and shattered without you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, one thing we've had, we've talked about before, and I actually hadn't made this connection is your youngest daughter just committed to UCLA. So she is now joining this crazy big life that Jordan and I get to talk about every week and having another daughter bridge into the world of college athletics. What is your biggest excitement, but also your biggest fear about that?
2: Oh, goodness. I'm excited for her because she loves to play soccer and her verbal commitment is amazing But ultimately, as you guys know, it's really a marker in time where somebody at the next level has said, we think you're good enough to help us. Okay. So it's super exciting. It's great that that's a great team, an amazing school. Coaching staff is extraordinary. What a beautiful opportunity for her because she loves to play.
3: Well, just like Katie, soccer is her happy place. That was the same with Katie. Katie soccer was her happy place. So the similarities, I mean, they obviously play different positions. Um, Sienna's a center back, but she can play like outside back, whatever, but she's not a goalkeeper. So, um, a little different there. And I think with what Steve is saying, like her journey is her journey and completely separate. And she's so excited for it. And of course, like, just like with Katie, I mean, you feel like as a parent, you're kind of the safe landing spot for anything, right. And facing any adversity, any, you know, We're we're the safety net is what we hope. Um, And that's what we're here for. And like all of our, you know, all of our kids doing different things, we would always kind of check in every couple months and be like, do you still love this? Do you still want to do this? Like, are are we still, you know? Because we want to make sure, like, that they're enjoying it and they're happy that and they're playing
2: for their own for journey, their, right, right? Their own, yeah. I mean, we hear a lot sure. about this in the world about parents putting pressure on athletes and all that. We checked in with Katie regularly about, hey, if you're not having fun playing soccer anymore, you can dip out. We love you either way, you know. And she would actually almost get a little, she pissed. would laugh
3: or piss. yeah. She'd be well, like, Karen,
2: you, you know, anyway? I love. You. Like, I know, I know, like, you know, yeah. mom's still going to make you pancakes. I'm still going to tell you bad dad jokes. Like we got you yeah. either way. And the same thing goes for Sienna. Yeah. You know, Sienna could throw out the cleats tomorrow and pick up knitting needles or, or whatever she wanted to do. And we love our kids regardless. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You know, our oldest daughter is an amazing school teacher and she could walk in the door tonight and say, I'm done teaching. I want to do something else. Fine. It's okay. Yeah. You know?
0: One thing I know we've alluded to a bit here, but we would love to know further is, can you tell us a bit about Katie Saves, what this organization is and what your main goals are for
2: it? Again, because we knew nothing of Katie's journey. She was on there at Stanford with the disciplinary department. And when she died, it was such a shock. Not only did it hurt emotionally, it literally hurt physically, like viscerally. Uh, We we thought right away, there has to be, this cannot be happening like this to mm-hmm. a young woman, her mm-hmm. family, her team. So what can we do? And
3: well, there was that. How did we not know? Right. Like, how did we not know she was going through this? How did the school not contact us? Like, how did we have no clue?
2: How did somebody outside the university not know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, a relative, a club coach? So before I explain Katie Save, I will say, because of your specific audience, ultimately, and we've talked to a lot of D1 athletes about it in various sports in What I love the most about their response when they hear what we're trying to do is they say it protects us from the institution itself, okay? From being treated like a number, from being treated just procedurally. It takes the whole person into account. Um, Save is a situation where the young person can pick a designated advocate.
3: It's a two-page initiative.
2: Super simple, common sense, designed for someone who's really whip-smart and skeptical to read it and go, eh, no, I'm good with this, okay? The word parent does not exist in that document. We fully understand that not everybody has great relationships with their parents. We would hope that a young person would choose their parent as an advocate, but they don't have to. It could be an older sibling, relative, uh, youth group. Yeah, pastor, uh, club coach in high school, whatever. Okay, Just
3: a trusted adult.
2: And then hopefully that young person will never need Katie Save, by the way. Flourish on campus four years, five years, whatever it is, in the event though, because we know good kids can make bad judgments in a moment or find themselves in situations. So in the event of five areas, one is substance abuse, academic probation, an injury that requires hospitalization, a disciplinary action, which is what Katie was going through, or a mental health prescription, which is different than just just seeing your sports therapist or a campus therapist. Um, That advocate will get an email saying your student has been involved in an incident on campus covered under Katie oh, Safe, Yeah, an
3: element of Katie Safe, An
2: element of Katie Save. Then that designated advocate can check in with the student. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the student retains a choice and power throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. What we're looking to do is have the universities be required to offer it, but a student does not have to participate or they can participate in it partially. Maybe they check substance abuse and an injury that requires hospitalization and disciplinary and that's it. Bottom line is though, then the advocate could call or email, text, check in. Hey, I heard something's going on there on campus. Even then the student can go, I'm not telling you anything, click, fine. At least somebody on the outside knows something's going on Uh and then they can pursue that and have a chance at the conversation which is the exact conversation Gina and I never got to have.
3: What what we hope is that phone call would be made is like, hey, something's going on. And, you know, the student kind of unloads a little bit like, ah, oh, like I can't believe I, you know, this, 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 and this happened. And then that person, that trusted adult can go, okay, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. How can I support you? Where do we need to go? Who do we need to call? Like right. that guidance. It's that front end safety net. And somebody knows there's something going on and they can kind of keep checking throughout the process.
2: Right, because you have a university with all the academic mental health support resources imaginable, like a utopia of it, right? But if you cannot get that young person to the appropriate office, uh then I would respectfully ask, what good are those resources?
3: And here's the really cool thing. So we're a spot bill in the state of California. We are AB 1575. Katie save initiative. So it's going to be voted on, I believe uh, 2024, 25, we still got a little time here, but it would require all of our UC schools and Cal state schools to offer it. So it's, it's on the docket here for a bill, which like cross our fingers. That's kind of what we'd love to see. And then maybe a ripple effect to other states, other conferences, you know, other, we have a lot of um, private schools right now looking to do it on their own, um, which is great. So it's, it's starting to pick up some traction.
2: I had to rewind that. I had a discussion recently with a D1 soccer coach out here in SoCal and they were like, it seems like it's a different athlete now than it was 15, 20 years ago. And I said, "Mm, I'm not so sure that's true. I think you all run and jump and kick and do all those things about the same as a kid mm-hmm. did 15, 20 years ago. I think it's a different world. Mm-hmm. Your generation has had Instagram or access to it for a decade. And mm-hmm. I think we're still learning as a society what we've accrued with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very easy for young people to get uh, to compare themselves to somebody else. Oh my gosh, you got to go on this vacation. I'm stuck at home, all these things and everything gets heightened, right? Like I like to take it out of soccer for a second. Let's talk about a softball player at the University of Illinois, right? So I don't pick Iowa or Michigan State. I don't want to start anything. <laughs> but, uh, and let's say she's an All-American and she's she's freaking awesome, right? National championship game. Ball, crack to her. Normally she fields that a thousand times in a row, but she's got one go through her legs. The runner on third goes home, game over. Her team loses. 15, 20 years ago, nobody knows about that really unless you're in the stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Now... She's got to look at that and getting blown up on Instagram and Twitter and everything else on the way back to the bus, on the way to the airport, on the way home in a dorm room, your, your generation with respect to you guys, I think things are just heightened. There's more
3: comparativism, you. You know, cancel been, culture, all yeah. that. Like,
2: And we feel like since it's an evolving world, we need an evolving policy and that's all that Katie say really is. is just a little tweak over here.
3: I think it kind of bridges, bridges that guys. gap, I think, right in there for, for students, yeah. especially between that 18 and 25-year-old age group. Because, and
2: it does. It protects you from the institution it, itself. You could have somebody who's old like me, right, who's got four decades, four decades, of actually really hurting people out in the world, assaults, robberies, like true, truly hurting people. He goes out and does it again today. He's gonna have the presumption of innocence, and he's gonna have representation if he can't afford it. A lot of what we're finding out on mm-hmm. a lot of campuses, far yeah. too many around this nation, is young people your age don't always get the presumption of innocence. It's, it's a little bit of a flip. Yeah. Like you're guilty,
3: so you all gotta innocent. figure out
2: how you're innocent. We
3: we've heard we understand that's what Katie was going through.
2: And and by the way, no representation for you. No. If you want to bring somebody in, we'll think about it and then if we say yes they can come in but they can't speak so you might as well bring in a hockey puck like it it doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. and so it's a checks and balances thing our society has been founded on it and we need that for you guys we can't as parents send our good young kids off to these institutions and not have them have the same due process rights that we all have on the outside
0: yeah i mean when you phrase it like that it's almost chaotic that it's taken to this point for that to happen you know like you've said earlier we're 18 19 years old we don't have that fully frontal lobe processing and you're putting people in those situations and what do we think was going to happen so yeah
2: you know college is traditionally in this nation a time for we as we accept it as a society where our kids are going to go off and they are going to make some mistakes Mm -hmm. and learn from it right so we can't have a mistake Mm -hmm not be supported appropriately. And so that goes back to KG Save, it's your choice, somebody you choose, you trust, who again, hopefully you'll never need it. But if you do, you know, somebody has got your back.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, it sounds like a no-brainer, a win-win for everyone involved and something that college students would really, really benefit from. Um, mm-hmm. So what's the best way that we could go about supporting this cause and to help push this initiative that you guys are are heading?
3: I would say first and foremost, if it's something you're passionate about, it's on our website, katiesave.org. You can pull off the two-page initiative. There's a um, PDF or whatever copy of it. You print that out and take it to your coach. Coach can take it to your AD. AD can take it to the school or go right to your school, right to your like office of student affairs and say, Hey, is this something we can implement at our school? I think you get enough people on board. That's what we're finding with some of these schools. And then like, we've always said like, Hey, we'll zoom with anyone. We'll, we'll have a meeting or talk to anybody that wants to hear more about it. Um, So I think it's just getting it out there. A lot of schools are doing mental health awareness games. They're recognizing Katie save. They're having a table at their games and maybe that's getting the word out there with our initiative it's just really getting it out i think just getting it out there um i would say stay yeah in
2: the spirit of our daughter stay bold with it Mm -hmm. like take it right send it right to the highest levels of your administration Mm
3: -hmm.
2: right It, it protects them as well if you think about it on the next level where if you have the best of intended older people working in these universities they don't want to see tragedy occur on their campus Mm -hmm. right they would like to see if they're well-intended professionals young people get to the appropriate offices and resources so in a way it also looks out for them too Mm -hmm. and uh i say go right at it you know why not the
3: the more schools we've been talking about fortunately we've done we've a lot of meetings a lot of zooms we've talked to hundreds of schools it's the the good news is it's already changing the way they do things. I think Katie's death has already opened up the way the schools are handling things. They're making changes. Maybe they're, you know, again, those emails aren't going out past 5 PM. Those emails should never be going out. They should be meeting with the students in person with someone there, maybe an advisor, a therapist, someone that can, so there's a lot. That we need to change. And I do think that that is starting to happen, which is a good thing. But we need more. Like we're just trying to bring more, more changes to look after, you know, you're you're, as a student athlete, as a whole student on campus, your whole well being, the humanity part of it. Right. So you're not just a number.
1: Absolutely. I think one of the boldest things and positive uses we've seen of social media, especially when it comes to Katie, was the World Cup tribute from David Grimm and Smith. What was it like watching that? (sighs) Nay sent it to us,
3: I think like two days before it went out. She said, hey, I wrote this for the Players' Tribune and it's going to go out. And of course, like I just started reading it and I was like bawling. Same. I mean, we both were bawling. So we had to probably read it like four four times or something for it to really sink through. I can't even describe their relationship. It's gonna make me cry again. Um, well, I'll take it. Yeah, um, that's a hard one.
2: She captured their friendship beautifully. Mm-hmm. Like beautifully. They had a beautiful relationship. Her, Sierra Engie Sophia Smith, these girls that class, but not just that class, the whole team there. They had a great tight And you guys know that what you mm-hmm. guys go through.
3: It's such a camaraderie. Uh, it's such a sisterhood. Like
2: Naomi's peace was beautiful beautifully written about a beautiful friendship written by a beautiful person from the inside out i mean that moment i I, we knew about that story of katie standing in the window looking uh at nays she's recovering Mm -hmm. and uh that was katie in a nutshell right there Mm -hmm. like she She really cheering for her friend cheering for her friend Mm -hmm. and um we feel that metaphorically speaking Naomi and the team sort of taking up the cause for Katie is them standing at the window for her now.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really beautiful friendship. We, we try to, I mean, we have been, we, we really actually leaned on some of those girls and they've leaned on us. Yeah. And I think we, we both support one another. we we know that we're all there for each other. So we check in pretty regularly. Um, It's a, it's an amazing group. She's got an amazing group of friends and it goes all the way back to some of her, you know, old club teammates and those families. And I mean, we've, we're so blessed and grateful that we have had so much support and so much love. I don't know how we would get through without that. And, you know, up above our God up above, I mean, leaning on our faith. I mean, literally, I, I don't know how you get through something like this without all that support yeah. so that's been amazing even, and incredible and we're just really grateful
2: yeah yeah and that's another level of why we're grateful for the two of you coming along into mm-hmm. for our lives mm-hmm. when you did you know we need that support i think like just even having the opportunity you guys understand again what it takes to go through these journeys and mm-hmm. for us to keep pushing forward for what we're trying to do for the youngers coming through, it does. It takes a lot of support. We're not going to lie. We need it. Yeah, um, And so we're grateful for you guys offering us this opportunity.
3: Yeah, today. you guys are the best. Thank you.
0: Oh, gosh, please don't even go there. No, we're so, we're so grateful. And I guess my final question is, we've talked a lot about, you know, you've used the word comparativism and social media and everything that the modern day college athlete faces with social media and IL and all these facets. Does mm-hmm. anyone listening to the, this podcast, how do you think we as people, as athletes, as youngsters can help better this conversation of, you know, mental health and being okay with not always being okay in athletics? Because that's not something that's always welcomed. What
3: do you think?
2: I think that um, what you're doing today isn't a perfect example of it, right? You're yeah. taking advantage of social media, of technology to put the discussion out there, mm-hmm. right? And everybody's discussion is going to be a little bit different. That's okay. Meaning... Somebody's struggling with an issue over here. Somebody else is struggling with something over there. Maybe somebody is currently at peace and very happy. And God bless Mm -hmm. them for it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So just keeping the word going, supporting each other inside of your own teams, I would say specifically checking on everybody, especially when you hear about somebody who's like a 4.0 student who for the first time flunked a class or flunked a test or got a B Mm -hmm. in a class, you know, we had a discussion with a uh, academics advisor from an institution in the Midwest and he had a young man come into his office who was apoplectic that he got his first B ever in his life. And the guy's like, part of me kind of wanted to laugh, but I could tell on his face, like this was huge for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I'm getting at is there's some soft vulnerabilities that mm-hmm. people have whether it's, they're injured
3: right it's not right. always they out of practice yeah.
2: right and they feel unconnected to their team they've had a breakup in a relationship situation an interaction mm-hmm. with law enforcement and they're normally a good kid you have a good kid good young person sorry i keep using the word kid but you know i'm kind of old who's lived 19 20 21 years of life by the book and to the t and has wrong place wrong time one false move whatever and now they're up against it with law enforcement that can be really traumatic Mm -hmm. so what i'm getting at is for your audience and for you guys as well Mm -hmm. is like just check in on your people Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and and if you feel like there's something there just gently pursue it or maybe talk about something else for a while Mm -hmm. look at the pretty squirrel over there what do you think of squirrels right and then steer the conversation back into what you're trying to do um it's important.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm all about sometimes like stepping back, stepping away from social media. Like if you feel like you're having a day as an athlete where you need to talk, you're telling your coach, Hey, I I need a mental health day, like off because I'm juggling so much right now. Like, and you need to do that and, and get out in nature, go for a walk, meditate, yoga, prayer, whatever it is, like, you have to have that like self care, I think for yourself. And I feel like we're getting better at that as a society. And I think the mental health and the conversation has gotten more and more out there. I mean, after Katie had passed, um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a few, quite a few of student athletes um, and I think a lot of people's eyes were wide open. Like, what do we need to do? Like, this has got to get better. Yeah. And I think we've seen in the last year, year and a half, some some good changes starting to happen. So I feel like we're making some progress, but we need to keep going.
2: Yeah, so. And with social media too, circling back to your question really quick, we all got to understand that for the most part, social media is people posting their greatest hits.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Whether it's an individual or a university team, you know, rarely do you see XYZ university football team post, these are all the turnovers our team committed this weekend in a game, right? No, of course not. It's, It's the highlight plays. It's the greatest hits. You don't see a guy my age, you know, I just bought a new Ferrari. No, you don't see him going, my car's a piece of crap. And here's me on the side of this road, you know, trying to fix it. So it's a greatest hits situation. Mm -hmm. Social media can be great, but it can be really challenging. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Take it with a grain of salt.
1: Absolutely. I definitely remember those conversations happening uh, after Katie. And while you guys are here, like, definitely had my own struggles and we talked about it a little bit on the podcast and I'm sure we'll get more into it. But just how eye opening the conversation was after her passing, um, and the impact it had on me and so many other athletes and your guys' willingness to come on here and continue to share her story and to push and be advocates for mental health support and to see what you guys are doing with Katie Saves and to, you know, really take on that initiative to make sure that nobody else suffers in the way she did is so inspiring. And I cannot thank you enough for being on here and willing to share all this and do all this. Uh, Her Katie had quite the impact on me and and this means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys,
2: that's,
3: that's just like that to me, it's like, I've said, if we can just, you know, save one family from going through what we went through, save one kid making these changes, like that's, like she didn't die in vain. Like there's a, we feel like there's a purpose. There's a reason for this. And I feel like Katie wanted to do these big things in the world. And now she's kind of saying, okay, guys, your turn. You're going to do some of that. I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like there's a, we get, we got to just keep doing this. We got to keep working for this. Like this is kind of our mission right now. So thank you.
2: Thank you for having us on.
3: Thank you guys so much.
0: Once again, it's been absolutely incredible. And I know everyone appreciates you guys so much.
3: Thank you. And we wish you guys the, the healthiest, most wonderful seasons. I know you guys play each other, but like not till the end, right? So, 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 so I mean, you can say that until your kid joins the big 10 and yeah. Okay. Well, I she's not gonna 20, now. 20, So I will be rooting for you. Guys for sure. I'll be gone.
0: So you can say you're an Iowa fan. It's okay. That's true.
3: That's true. Then you'll, yeah. And I don't know if you guys will ever play together, Michigan state and UCLA by the time Deanna gets there.
1: I'm a junior right now, so I got one year left after this.
3: Probably not. So then I can, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. All good. We're all good. Okay. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, so guys, much.
0: so much. Have an amazing day. Oh, you too. You Mwah. Take Mwah.
3: care,
0: Jordan. I mean, I am still shook. I joked with you after we hung up with the Myers that I was choking back tears multiple times throughout that interview. And once again, I am unbelievably gracious for their willingness to come on and share their story and Katie's story and the impact that she left. You know, like I kind of joked in the interview, like I vividly remember watching the 2019 college cup in my dorm room. My team had lost in the first round watching it. I remember watching with a bunch of guys and Katie was being herself and being flamboyant and confident and fierce in everything she did. And it was a very mixed take in the room about if that was acceptable or not. And it was the first time for myself as someone who, is very confident and bold in that regard. I felt seen in a lot of ways by Katie and her willingness to be unapologetically herself. So what what what's on your mind, man?
1: Uh so much. I mean, I think in terms of that, like I'm I'm a little bit of the opposite. You know, I'm very reserved and just kind of like, woo, all right, like let me run back. So um I think seeing that was more of an just inspiration of what I wish I was and could be on the field and just you know her embracing every bit of that moment and what women's sports really should be and what we should embrace but for me I mean that interview meant so incredibly much and I cannot really express the level of gratitude I have when I first got to college um, just a little bit about my you know story and stuff and the impact's Katie's death really had on me. Freshman year, I came into college and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And by the spring of my freshman year, I was at the lowest point I have ever been in my entire life. And looking back, it is incredibly scary to think about where I got. I ended up being diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And it's something that, I mean, obviously you don't really say it. You know, this probably is the first time I think I've ever really even said that out loud to myself about. The diagnosis and everything, but it was the lowest of blows I've ever been in my entire life with that. You know, there were good days and but they were far and far and few between when I got to that point. And one of the good days, I just was like, like this is it. Like we're all or nothing. Like I just something has to change. And I ended up reaching out to help and I got it. And you know, I was kind of slowly fighting my way back. And when I found out about Katie, our coach, you know, kind of brought us together and, you know, we had a conversation and I remember it all just kinda of hitting me. Just the reality of of what happened, of who Katie was and just the absolute tragedy that was her passing. And the impact it had on me and in my fight and my battle and to wanna get back and to continue to fight you know against my own mental health demons or whatever you want to call them um just the, the level of gratitude i have to them for coming on here and sharing her story because you know it, it is it was personal for me and, and i think soaking it all in on still
0: 100 i think you know so many people in general but specifically college athletes have these struggles and you know the fact is I've also been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And the fact is that the two of us randomly got paired together that have a podcast and we have so many similar stories. And that just means that they're so common, but they're not discussed. And I do feel like the conversation has changed a lot, but I think Katie was a large reason for that. I remember my freshman year was when I was diagnosed and that was Milo, my freshman year as well, that. Fall, like around November season was over, and I was beyond where I ever thought I could be. And, like you said, looking back, it's scary how dark and small your world can get and feel. And I was fortunate enough to, you know, have people in my life that were able to support me through my time and support me in a lot of ways. So I remember vividly when I found out about Katie, I stopped dead in my track because. It made me realize how far I've gotten out of my battle and I'm gracious for that, but it shows you that not everyone does. And not everything is okay. When you individually are also done suffering. I think it just shows how literally this could happen to anyone. And it doesn't matter if you're the player playing 90 minutes, if you're the girl that never touches the field, if you're the 4.0 student, or if you're not, I think so often as women, as confident women, we're just told all the time that we have to be a certain way. We have to act a certain way. And I think Katie shocked so many people because she didn't and she didn't fit in that norm. And that was one of the many, many remarkable things about her. And it's, it's unreal. You know, I think this is the message from both of us here is first of all, if you are struggling as both of us had, there is help. There is people who love you. There's people who want to hold your hand and want to help you through it and want to answer that phone call. So please hear us when we say that. There's teammates, there's coaches, there's sports psychologists, but there's also your parents, your friends, whoever's that in your life. And yeah, I mean, my heart's heavy right now, but I'm also gracious with the way that the conversation has had an impact because I know that it's helped many, many people.
1: I'm honored to be here and being a part of this conversation. You know, it's something I don't take lightly at all. Um, this is this is heavy, heavy conversations, us being so incredibly different, but still going through a lot of the same struggles, same timeline, even, you know, with freshman year. I think it really shows you, like you said, just how many people and many athletes specifically go through this. It's not like you just do it and it's over either. You know, I think at least you know my experience is still an everyday battle. You know, I still wake up two years after that diagnosis and have to make a conscious decision every day to do all the little things so that I feel okay or feel a lot of times just something. You know, For me, it was a lot of a state of apathy where I was just going through my daily life in a little bit of a a haze. It just was kind of a dream. I didn't care about the things I used to. I would go to bed essentially um, until soccer practice at 2 p.m., where I would go to practice and crawl right back into my bed Um, and it was the lowest I've ever been in my entire life and really reflecting on it now is it's scary just how bad things are able to get Um, so if you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis call 988 which is the new suicide and crisis lifeline which provides confidential 24 7 support so 988 is the number to dial
0: Absolutely. And there's so many other incredible foundations out there and people doing a lot of work for mental health advocacy. Of course, there's Katie Safe, but there's also the hidden opponent, Helensky's Hope, and so, so many more. We're going to add links in our notes about resources, about how to get in contact with people. And we just want you all to know it's okay not to be okay. And we are always here for you as well. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Soccer on.
1: Bye guys.